listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by Chloe Fisher and myself, Elodie Pullen. Join us as we blindly navigate and unpack the raw and often unspoken experiences of womanhood, grief, friendship, and everything in between. Encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful, we've made a promise to ourselves to find our shine and build a life of triumph and joy. Darling Shine is your survival kit to the unexpected shit life throws at you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Darling Shine, season three. Hello. We have our first guest today, and it was such a beautiful conversation. I Get the tissues out. It's going to be a bit of a tearjerker. I definitely um, shed a few tears with that one, and Lottie is such a beautiful person. It was actually the first time I properly met her, so I absolutely love that. So, Elle. We have a really special one for you guys. We spoke to my widow sister, Lottie. This chick is amazing. They say in life you need to look at those that you surround yourself with for strength and inspiration, and this amazing lady is literally one of my greatest inspirations, and she's now one of my closest friends. Lottie grew up in London and has recently moved to Portugal. She lost her beautiful love and soulmate, Benny, just four months after Chump passed away. Thankfully, we found each other on social media and she's basically been my late night counsellor ever since. Lottie is also a real advocate for grief and normalising talking about trauma. She is about to start her own podcast too, which is awesome. I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah. And is also starting a foundation in honour of her man, Benny, which will be awesome because he worked in the music space. I thank my lucky stars all the time for Lottie We've actually now written a book together, Now What Grief, which we'll talk about in this episode. Unfortunately, Lottie also lost her dad recently to cancer and it was actually she lost her dad within a year of losing Ben as well. So I feel like after now having lost my dad to cancer too, our lives just are like we just live parallel lives from across the globe and we actually haven't even met each other but we feel like we are best friends and we know each other so well and I literally do not know what I would do without her. So we decided to get Lottie on and she is just amazing. You guys are going to love it. Let's get into it. You guys are finally meeting. I'm so fucking excited. It's sort of weird because like I feel like I actually know you but I don't. I know it's so weird isn't it? We well, I, literally, <laughs> I literally cannot believe that. So our other widow friend Georgia just met Lottie in Mexico and I literally mm. was like to Georgia, I feel like Lottie's like this prophet or like this fucking <laughs> like professor or some shit that I go to for like wisdom. I like mean. you're like a you're like a spiritual being that I just like never thought was like a real person because you're like just an like angel. this person that I Aww. speak to late at night on the phone Let's and like see. you're like this like God or something. And I'm like, I can't believe Georgia's like gone and spoken to you and hung out with you and like touched you and hugged you and you've like oh my God. It's so Georgia, like where's the timeline? How does the timeline work here with you, Georgia, and you, you two? Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> like with like meeting wise, like obviously Chumpy passed away first and then what in what order did it work? And then Ben and then and Lockie. Ben. And then Lockie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a few yeah. months between Ben and Chump and then a couple of weeks between Lockie and Ben. And then so me and she. It's so fucked. But, yeah, we kept, when we first met, we were like, oh, my God, you're real. We just kept touching each other like, fuck, it was weird. I felt nervous. I had, like, first date nerves. Do you know what I mean? It was like. (laughs) It would have been so nerve-wracking meeting. And you guys would have just hopped off planes and been, like, all jet-lagged and then been like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, I'm finally meeting someone I've been, like, a family with forever. 
forever for like a year so um, hopefully we'll make that happen this year but yes Elodie's gonna come to Ibiza I think I'll faint when I finally meet Lottie well Chloe Mm. and Lottie you guys have both been in Ibiza together like I think heaps of times together at the same time so Chloe you need to explain how well, like yeah, how so let's, worlds collide. Let's let's rewind a little bit. So, welcome to the podcast, Lottie. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> we're here together. Thank everyone, always, everyone always asks, "When is Lottie coming on? When is Lottie coming on?" So here we are. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> we welcome. Made it happen. Oh my god, I'm so excited to chat to you guys. Me oh, too. Yeah. I love you. Uh, so I, you. I wanted to kind of like go back to the start, and it's a really weird one how it's like an unfortunate way that everyone met, but I guess what, when Chumpy passed away, Elle was sort of, I mean, Elodie's obviously met a a lot of widow friends now, but back when um, Lottie's partner, Ben passed away, it was really strange because Paul's manager, my, my Paul's manager, Brett actually used to work with Ben, Lottie's partner. And they kind of, I don't know, it was, because Brett actually contacted me and was just like, oh, we need to put Lottie and Elodie in touch. I think that they'll find mm. comfort in each other. And I mean, the, mm. the situations are very different, but like they're both widow sisters now. And that's how that kind of came about. It's mm. so weird and how, how, this, how small this world is and how Brett is like one of my best friends. And then... Mm-hmm. It's so close. actually crazy because it's Brett so lived in Brett, Brett lives in the states managing artists music artists there and Benny lives in London uh, managing music yeah. yeah so his Using agency was in London side. his agency was in the US so they kind of worked for this company and just knew or well, worked for each other it's just like not even in the same countries how mm. crazy is that well, I met Brett a few, like a couple of years before Ben was diagnosed. And Chloe, I haven't told you this before, but Fisher was one of Ben's like ideal oh. clients. He was like, this oh. is Brett. And Brett works with Fisher and um, we love Paul's music. We've, you know, been listening to it for years. And um, yeah, it was just really, I, I feel like you and I would have met at some point because we were always going to the same festivals and shows and it was it was only oh. a matter of time before we went to see Fisher. So you and I would have met in different circumstances if oh, those were here. A hundred percent. We're mm. definitely going to meet though. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Screen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. Yeah, sure. And we're going to get Elle to Ibiza hopefully this summer. Fuck and- really. Get me me and Minnie there. It'll be so (laughs) freaking cute. But yeah, like literally do not know what I would have done without like and I and I hate I used to literally hate Instagram and you know social media. Like I I didn't ever see a use for it. And since Chump passed away, like obviously we kind of well, we ended up connecting through social media after Brett Mm -hmm. put us in touch. And then we found other widow friends. And in a world where we just felt so alone, like all of a sudden we're missing like half of us we suddenly like on this crazy online cyberspace found people in similar situations, like all mm. in the same boat all over the world. And we're like, what the fuck? All of a sudden feeling so alone and mm-hmm. kind of just not like, I felt so much comfort in you. We used to sit up and talk and cry together like every single night. And we'd be, both be going, like, I'd be absolutely like in so much shock going, just kind of not knowing what would be going on. And you'd be in like a different phase and we'd just be like, always just coaching each other through Mm. and I don't know I literally say all the time I don't know what the fuck I'd do without you sis 
I know, mm. babe, the feeling is mutual. But all of its downfalls, I feel like social media has just been and can be the most incredible tool. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually found out about Chompy's passing through Chloe's page because I'm fangirling Chloe for like months <laughs> before. Um, I followed Chloe through, you know, having having discovered uh, her through uh, Fisher's account. And then, yeah, started following you, Elle. And it was weird because um, I can I can sort of circle back to, you know, Ben's, like the circumstances around his passing at some point um, yeah, in this yeah, conversation. Yeah, but, definitely. But um, when I, you know, when, when Chump passed, it was as though I was like being confronted by my imminent future because Ben had terminal cancer at that point. So it was quite confronting and triggering for me to see like your journey unfold and then lo and behold three four months later I wind up in the same place and that's when I was like fuck I need to reach out to this girl at that time when Chumpy passed away where you said that Ben was terminally ill did you know that he was did you know that it was incurable at that point and you knew that he was going to pass or were you like still holding on to hope that there was going to be a treatment that was going to come through and you were going to be able to but essentially he was going to be able to be recover. Mm. Well, it was diagnosed as terminal in March, 2020. So this would have been a few months before Chumpy died. Um, but I never accepted that as his outcome. I always believed, I, I mean, now looking back on it, of course it was denial. Right. And mm. it is literally the worst conceivable nightmare playing out in front of you of course you're not going to accept it like even when Ben was in ICU with so many complications that arose from his COVID-19 um, diagnosis I was like no no he's going to get better he's going because you just don't want to believe it right and I know that L shock and disbelief was a really big um mm. I think for you in the midst of your loss um at least you know in the immediate like aftermath but yeah, Chloe, I I just never gave up hope, you know. It was yeah, only after you passed that it was like, okay. <laughs> I was just wanting to go back a little bit and for our listeners, do you mind explaining this sort of story and how it unraveled? Like when when obviously he was diagnosed with terminal, was it cancer? Was yeah, he a healthy yeah. person before that? Or like how fast did it actually happen? Were you, you know, you were obviously living your best lives and then mm. did it, how old was he? Did it just come out of the blue or did he, was it kind of a gradual thing of, of sickness? So it was 16 months from the point of his first diagnosis to him actually passing. Um, wow. The, the first diagnosis um, was in July 2019 and we just thought it was like a fatty lipoma. I was actually giving him a massage one evening and I noticed that he had this lump between his shoulder blade and his spine and I was really going to town with it. I was getting my elbows in there, my knuckles. I was like, what the fuck is this lump? Really going to town and we thought nothing of it. He was um, a martial artist. He trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu Mai Tai boxing, the fittest person ever. We were like, maybe it's just like a, because mm. he had so many dislocations of that that shoulder um, over the 10 years beforehand that we just assumed it was like tissue that had grown back funnily, mm. that hadn't recovered properly. Um, and so we thought nothing of it. 
Fast forward three months, Ben is now being fast tracked through this diagnostic process to see whether or not it's something malignant. And I remember we were at Glastonbury Festival end of June, like celebrating my 29th birthday in 2019. And we had this in the back of our minds that Ben had already had the blood test and the biopsy taken. And we tried to have as normal a time as possible, but it was it was always there. And a week later, whilst we were like navigating our post-festival come down, <laughs> um, we ended up going to the hospital. Again, we'd been reassured this entire time for the weeks that we were doing, you know, this doing all of this testing. It's very unlikely that it's anything serious. We're just doing this as like an insurance policy. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Multiple doctors have told us that. And then that Friday afternoon, they delivered the news that this is actually a stage three malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor, which is a highly aggressive, very, very rare and very, very difficult to treat soft tissue sarcoma. And I'd never even heard of that cancer before. And circling back to what you were asking, Chloe, Ben was the healthiest person. Like he never got sick. It would piss me off. Like he would just Mm. never get sick. He seemed to be this indestructible machine, really healthy, really into fasting, juicing, Mm. heat and cold exposure, meditation. Ben, you know, had, had the most incredible immune system and was seemingly a picture of perfect health until that um you know and don't you and don't you lots of people will say like will assume that people who get these diseases are like unhealthy and that just fucking makes my blood boil when you when people say that it's a fucking lottery and you know uh leading on from that l another thing that you um find is you know this this like rhetoric that we use when people lose their lives to cancer, people often say they lost their battle, right? And it's like, so are you saying that Ben didn't fight hard enough? (laughs) Because there's no no losers in my mind. There's no losers in my mind. And you don't actually have control. Like whether or not you survive is Mm. complete lottery. It's down to your DNA. It's down to so many different factors. Um, and I think it's assigning, what it does is it inadvertently assigns a sense of responsibility and blame on the person that that passed. No one's you know? losing. And yeah. Exactly. I mean, look at Elodie's dad. Like he got told two Christmases ago that he wasn't going to make Christmas and he's yeah. still. And he's his heart, he's just lying there doing nothing else apart from his heart's just still beating right now. And mm. it's like, he is not a fucking loser. Yeah. His heart's still beating. Like he's just ticking along. Like we hate seeing him like this, but he's not losing his battle to cancer. He's just fucking literally got no choice and he's fighting as hard as he can, but it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's well, that, what, yeah. like you were saying before, like when they say you're terminally, your partner's terminally ill or, you know, you're in such denial and you can't accept it, but, even now, like I can't accept that Ben's gone. I can't accept that mm. Trump's gone. I can't accept that dad's dying mm. of cancer either. Like I just feel like it's this thing you're never going to like. I think I'll forever be in fucking denial. Yeah. Totally, babe. Like, yeah, well, it's just inconceivable. It's like, mm. you know, how could you ever, you just can't wrap your head around it. It still stops me in my tracks that Ben passed. Yeah. yeah. 
So July 2019, he was diagnosed. He had a surgery, um, a really successful surgery with really clear, like good margins around the tumour. And then that was followed by six weeks of radiotherapy as like an insurance policy to make sure that it didn't come back. Mm. And all of the doctors felt really positive about it. Um, when he finished radio, we flew to Australia, then proposed just before the strike of midnight mm-hmm. at Sydney Harbour Bridge. And we were like, fuck, we're stepping into this new year. We're going to look back at the summer and be like, do you remember when you had cancer? And it mm-hmm. just seemed like a thing of the yeah. past. You know, it was like, we can get on with our lives now. Oh. Um, we, we can move forwards. And then I've got goosebumps. I know this story back to front and I feel like I, oh, Lottie. I know, I can feel shaking. it. Yeah, I can feel it in my body as well as I'm like telling the story. I can feel like the trauma just resurfacing and it's so fucked. And then fast forward three months later, um, end of March, we're two weeks into the national lockdown in London. And Ben and I are like, fuck, we've lucked out. We can both work from home. We can spend time together, which was our favorite thing to do. We just wanted to be with each other all the time. And we celebrated his 36th birthday in our flat together, just me and him. And then the next morning we drove for a checkup, what we thought would just be, you know, a standard scan with the same results as the last few months, which were all clear. And they told us that the cancer had metastasized to his lungs at that point. And that was when he was given the stage four terminal diagnosis. So he went from this cancer thriver, moving forwards with his life, planning a wedding in Ibiza, thinking about starting a family in the next year or two, to suddenly being an incredibly vulnerable terminal cancer patient facing like imminent death, basically. And to have navigated that alongside the the peak of the pandemic as well. I mean, you can only imagine what then followed, right? It was eight months of isolation from that point because Ben was considered extremely vulnerable and rightly so because cancer was in his lungs. He was really compromised with um, the various treatments that he had, surgery and chemo. And then fast forward August, I think this is a month out of your loss, Elle, because Chumpy passed in July 2020, right? Yeah. We'd um we'd been told that there was nothing left for the NHS, which is the UK's um, health service, could do for Ben, and that we had to start making arrangements, aka go home and die, you know, get ready to die. Um, and obviously, this is the love of my life, and I'm like, I'm not fucking accepting that. I'm gonna fight tooth and nail and do everything I possibly can, as I had yeah. done for the last you know, year to save my partner's life. So I spent, you know, sleepless nights researching different alternative treatments. um, And I'd found this center in Tijuana in Mexico that was having a lot of success treating really rare, aggressive, like difficult to treat cancers. And so we flew out there, um, I think less than a week after the NHS delivered that news to us, you know, mm. they have to go into palliative care soon into hospice. And it was going really well. I think we were there for around five weeks and Ben saw some like stable results. The cancer wasn't uh, growing. It wasn't accelerating. We've managed to slow it down and actually stop some of the tumors altogether. Um, and then 
we had this wild morning one morning where suddenly Ben was having real difficulty breathing. And the night before I'd stayed in the hospital with him because he had to go in. He was suffering with chest pain and and like a lot of coughing and obviously feeling really anxious. And it just absolutely spiraled. I didn't sleep a wink that night because I was keeping eye on his oxygen saturation levels. And then it just descended into chaos within the space of an hour. His O2 saturation levels kept dropping, dropping, dropping. And he had this sort of oxygen mask on. And all of a sudden you could sense panic in the doctors and they were a cancer center. They weren't you know, accident and emergency. They couldn't treat like a critically ill patient. And by that point, like Ben was critical and I could sense that, you know, his O2 sat levels were going from 90, which is considered really low to 80, 70, 60, 50, 40. And at that point it was like, call an ambulance. In order to actually get Ben into A&E, I had to make a $10,000 deposit there and then you know, obviously traumatized as fuck, not knowing what was going on, not speaking the language. And then he was rushed out of that cancer center on a stretcher. I was thrown into an ambulance and we hurled across the city to to this Red Cross hospital. And then the last memory that I have of Ben alive, or at least conscious, was him being rushed through on the stretcher through the A&E doors and then physically holding me back because of the COVID restrictions that were in place. They held me back. I obviously couldn't understand what was going on. And I just remember falling to my knees because at that point I saw the OT sat levels were critical. Like the the screen was flashing low. So oh. it's below 40. And people don't come back from that. That's like instant like brain, no. like hy- hypoxia basically. And then, um, and then the next thing that I saw of him was him on a stretcher with something in his mouth to help him breathe. And then he was ventilated. He was, he was, um, put into ICU as a critically ill COVID patient. We found out obviously after all of this had transpired that he, he had COVID, like said a severe case of COVID-19 disease, which just erupted within the space of like 48 hours. And I then had to go into isolation because obviously I had COVID too. So I was in the most dangerous city in Mexico in a hotel, in a hotel room for two weeks on my own, all the while waiting for the calls. Couldn't even see him. I was able to see him for those 24 days he spent on the ventilator. I think I saw him for 30 minutes. But when I say see him, I mean, I had a hazmat suit on. I had the, um, you know, the plastic bags on my shoes. I had two pairs of latex gloves on, the sellotape, the face mask, the goggles, the hair mask. Yeah, you can't hug him. No, 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 exactly. And that even that experience, just being in ICU and, you know, walking past the doors and seeing other patients in prone position on ventilators and stuff. Yeah. And bearing in mind, I'm on my own as this is happening. Oh, it's Lottie, just this like, is just so intense. Like, I'm so sorry that I'm like literally about to fucking bore my eyes out. That's yeah. actually, I like, I know that you're, I know your story, but that is just heavy. I actually mm. didn't really know to extent no. that yeah. that is what you went through. And also as well, like you would have been by yourself down there with no support, no one to hug you, no one to be like, you will be okay, like mm. n- nothing. Like, 
and not being able to speak the language and not be able to like hold your person when he's dying like that. I can't even. I know. Honestly, I just, I am, I must seem like a psycho right now because I'm not conveying any emotions, but I can feel it. If you saw below the screen, like my body is like. Trembling. Yeah, completely. Um, And I know that you'll have this as well. It's like this. When you recount the story, there is this like, there's various different like trauma responses and mine is definitely like um, hypo arousal. So I'll like shut down. Yeah. So I'm able to talk about stuff, but I've gone into like a freeze mode. Like my body is locked, you know? A hundred percent. As opposed to like. Yeah. yeah. I never know what, how I'm going to go when someone asks me what happens and it just depends like what happened and it just depends what day it is as to how I'm going to emotionally be able to handle. Like mm. I know what's happening. I feel like I can say the story like, you know, like it's just like a spiel that I know, but you just never know how the fuck you're going to respond to it at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And yes. yeah. I like with you and we, we've talked about this heaps. Lots of people will say to you, oh, so like, you know, you knew that Ben was going to pass away, so it must have been easier. And it's like, fuck no, 100% no. The trauma that you went through, everything leading up as well, like, and the shock when it all happened mm-hmm. and like just dealing with that, you you would always be in so much shock when you found out mm. regardless of, of the lead up. But the trauma on top of that with and COVID and on top of that, like there's a hundred percent, nothing could have prepared you for what you went through. Mm-hmm. If, and oh, like it just, fuck man. Mm. Yeah. Lots of people don't, don't they say that to you? Yeah. I think there is this, um, what I often hear is someone actually said to me, you know, at least you got to say goodbye. And I was like, no, I was lying in a hazmat suit over the body of my loved one when he died. Like, that's not a goodbye. Like I was lying over his dead body. Like, and then having to leave the hospital and he wasn't saying goodbye. Yeah. It's yeah. And and even if we had, what am I going to fucking set up? Bye babe. Bye. Like, no, it's not. And also for me, for me, it's like, you know, I, I feel as though I've had sustained trauma day in, Mm. day out for like, I mean, it was 16 months, you know, it was 16 months, constant, constant, like you're, you're white knuckling it basically on the wildest roller coaster ride, like facing imminent death, just day in, day out, you know, and the PTSD as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now have. Oh, big time. It's, um, it's, it's definitely softened as time has passed. You know, that's like an inevitability as time Mm. passes. It's not quite so much at the forefront of my mind in every waking moment, but it's the, the intrusive thoughts, you know, it can, there can be, and there can be any, anything is a trigger. Anything is a trigger. I had to, um, get a prescription from clinic in Mexico, um, just a couple of days ago before I flew home and I saw one of those O2 sat level like finger things that Ben had on and it just instantly I could feel it like erupting from my body and I was like Georgia I have to I have to get out like I feel all of the memories like rushing to the surface again and of course Covid is something that is talked about every fucking day it's not going anywhere anytime soon so for those of us that have lost people 
Mm. You know, to COVID, I don't think Ben would have passed if it weren't for his cancer diagnosis, but ultimately COVID did accelerate what was probably inevitable. You know, it's a constant reminder. It's there every day. Can we just talk about the initial moments after? Like I I just personally remember not knowing what was going on, although I knew I didn't feel the um, brutality of like what had just happened and like the how massive what had just happened was. Mm. So I remember like walking down the street feeling like an absolute serial killer that I was able to just walk down the street and you'd look around at like cafes and shops being open and people doing normal things and you'd be like, what are people doing out and about today? How come people are just sitting down having coffee? Chumpy just died. Like how, Mm. what, this is, this is not allowed. Like why are people doing normal things? Why am I even here? Like, Mm. I mean, you were literally in Mexico just on your own trying to figure out what the fuck had just happened. Mm. I had one of my best friends with me at that point. Like one of the girls flew over to be with me. Um, Obviously we, did not think that Ben would die. And it was just one afternoon we were sat about to order some food and that daily call came in and I remember just freezing as I would every time because you just don't know what they're going to say. You know, one day he was stable, then it was critical, then it was stable, critical, stable. And this Mm. happened for 24 days straight, just up, down, up, down, never knowing what was coming. Exactly. And they were like, Lottie, you need to come to the hospital because Ben is about to pass. And it was like, what the fuck? I remember, I can feel it in my body again now. It was like, I was fully shaking. Like my entire body was just, I had no control at that point. And um, we arrived just after he died. But as I said, I, I still went in to see him, which is a whole other I wouldn't wish that upon my worst mm. enemy, you know, to see no. someone after they've passed, let alone the no. love of your life. Like, I couldn't do it. No, I think you made the right decision with that, Elle. Um, mm. But I remember leaving that hospital, like getting out of the gear and just my, my friend having to physically carry me through and we were just putting one foot in front of the other and I said moment by moment I kept repeating moment by moment moment by moment because at that point it's like oh my god I can't even think about the next moment it was just like put my right foot forwards then my left then my right then my left but I do remember that L there was like this distinctive moment where it just felt like the world turned black yeah. And I was having to go through the motions. Obviously, I was in this hotel room. I still needed to feed myself. I needed to get taxis in order to get to the restaurants to feed myself. Mm. So I'd be sort of going through the motions, like sat ordering a fucking cafe latte. And I'd be like, my partner just died of organ failure with terminal cancer. And you're just like, what the fuck? I have a feeling that as well. And like, even though Chumpy yeah. wasn't my partner, like I remember the weekend after Chumpy passed away, I was just like, it was a friend, a girlfriend's birthday. And I'm like, wait, I'm not allowed what? to go. Why, why would I go to that and enjoy myself? Like how can, and then people are talking to you and you're like, how are you? And you're like, well, no, no. Like don't One like of your best friends. What yeah. do you think? How the fuck do you think I am? Like, and then Elodie is it. And then I was like, well, why should I be allowed to be here and then Elodie not be about to be allowed to be here? And then you like go through these motions in your head where you're thinking, but like, 
life goes like you're going like but life goes on like people not everyone knows him or not everyone you know it's the weirdest Mm. thing that you go through in your head and you start trying to talk yourself out of the um validity of it like you're like well you why would you No, it's so it's the weirdest thing ever I don't know I just I I I fully get that when the world's just going around Mm. you and you just obviously my the level that I I'm on is completely different to the levels that you girls were on but I yeah. still felt that and it was so confusing because mm. you're like, life doesn't go on right now. Mm. It doesn't. Yeah. Fucking space here, we've got to deal with this. But yeah. it really, everything around you, you look at the next person on the corner and you're like, you have no idea, do you? And then, Literally. but then you also like, think you don't know how, what they're going through because maybe they're going through something. It's just, it's crazy. It's just, it's such a, death is a, re- and I hate that word, but death is a, yeah. a insane thing. It's crazy. It's fucking cl- insane. The clock just literally keeps on ticking. I, I remember being like really young and being at Warrywood Square, the local shopping centre, and finding out that Heath Ledger had just died. And I just remember looking around and I always think back to that moment because like obviously the fucking world just keeps going, but just yeah. like it's just so weird that people die every second of every day and like it's just allowed to happen and we're just meant to accept it. It fucking mm-hmm. blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough, I was just at, um, just before we started recording, just went and got a coffee up the road in Narrabeen and this beautiful girl that works there who's now my friend, um, I was talking to her about some fucking dumb shit, like just something, you know, not uh, like just just small talk shit and she was really vague and she was like, can I talk to you outside? Like I just noticed she wasn't really there and she's like, oh, my, I just found out last night my auntie passed away in the tsunami in Tonga and, um, you know, I don't know what's going on. We just found out last night and I'm just like, oh my God, I fucking know what you're talking. She's like, I was going to call you. And I'm like, oi, I, here I am talking. Like, I remember what that was like when you're in so much shock and someone's talking to you about to something that you couldn't care less about. Mm-hmm. And in your head, you're like, fucking chumpy just died. What, you know, like, it's just the, yeah. this crazy thing. You're so blank. People are at you and you just realize mm. life is fucking just going on and it just mm. breaks. It just makes me cr- like, I don't even know how it's been nearly two years for us this year, Lottie. Like, mm. fucking so blows my mind. Both of you, I kind of have a question for both of you here. Like, I know that constantly people are always saying, like, you guys are so strong. You're amazing. Mm. I don't know how you do it. I take my hat off to you. Like, I guess you can answer it individually, but, like, do you feel strong? And, like, you know, people always say, how are you? They just send your text. How are you? But, like, how actually are you? Like, right now it's been some a minute since they've both passed. Like, in this moment, right this second, like, how do you feel? Like, how how are you? Al, do you want to ask that No, first you or? go, Lottie. You go, Lottie. Well, I think right now having just kind of, you know, unearthed all of that, stuff again um I feel weird I feel like every time you recount it you're reliving it you know um and I'm sure you feel the same Al when I tell people the story um Mm. uh, there is this sense of dissociation I'm like that isn't that that's not my life that's not my story yeah it feels like I'm I'm like witnessing the movie Mm. that is my life like you know and I'm not I'm not the main I'm not the actor in it. It's like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a witness to it. Um, it really depends, Chloe. Like it just, it's, it comes and it goes, it ebbs and it flows. And you just never know when you wake up in the morning, 
you know, how the day will unfold in terms of like, you know, how your grief will or won't present itself. I'd say as time has passed, I'm sure it's the same for you, Elle, um, it's not as all-consuming as it was, but in a way it's almost, I wouldn't say it's got more difficult. It's just that the challenges have like changed shape slightly in that because time has passed, I think there is an expectation that, you know, you're better now. Yeah, Um, I hate that. And I've even had some of my relatives say, you know, in moments where I've uh, broken down to them, oh, you were doing so well. You've been in such a good place. I'm like, but guys, the... The fact remains, Ben still died. Like Ben is still dead and I cannot make that better. Like no matter how much time passes, it will never be okay. Yeah. So it's just Yeah. Sorry. You go through waves where you're okay. Like, and Mm -hmm. people need to accept that. Oh, like she's allowed to be happy. But then if she gets sad again, that's fucking normal. Like it's it's just a roller coaster, and it just forever will be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. And I think um, Georgia and I were speaking about this. I'm sure, you know, Georgia will will come on here at some point and tell, and tell her story yeah. uh, when she's ready. Um, but I think having been a caregiver and having gone through that sustained trauma for all of those months, in a way, it almost fast tracked the process for me in terms of being in that place of like complete and utter debilitation mm. from the grief. There came a point probably around six or seven months ago where I was like, enough is enough. I'm fucking sick of feeling so dark and so full of despair and depression and suicidal ideation. It was like, I have to try and do something about this. I have to like reclaim my own life. You know, I have to live, if not with Ben, then for him, you know, it's a huge disservice to, to, to just check out. You know, what a what a gift it is to be alive. Like, so I think that's helped me reach that point, you know, of like, I'm going to reach for joy today. I'm going to feel gratitude. I'm going to have fun because I fucking deserve it after what I've been through, actually. You know, Lottie, you give me so much life just fucking saying that. I remember the first time you said that to me and it was such an eye opener. I remember because obviously Trump was so sudden, like he was here one day, we were living the best life and next day he was gone. And I, But I remember, and we'd always compare our situations and try and work, like try and understand from each other's perspective and like it would kind of be our coping mechanism and like a way we could help each other through. I remember mm-hmm. you saying, I've been going through misery for the last like two years since Ben's been sick and you guys have been you've been pre-grieving and just everything you've been through that fucking enough is enough like you'll be grieving forever but like how long are you going to sit still yeah as you said having those suicidal ideations like it's just I just have no fucking words Mm. how are you oh (laughs) um I feel like I just feel like I mean, I'm really shit lately. I don't know if it's just Christmas, New Year's Eve, everything happening with dad. Um, I've just never, never, I think, yeah, I think I've just been needing and missing Chumpy more than anything right now and, like, needing his advice and his wisdom and, like, he's the one that I, like, you know, just ask every question that I'm thinking about. 
like at the moment I just have so many like I just want to talk to him and get his advice mm. on everything and I think like yeah it's always at this time of year that's the hardest I think like New Year's and Christmas and I don't know so much mm. is happening in our lives and like mini and everything and I just I think I think at the moment I'm just missing him like more than ever I've I've never felt so and I think being away from home as well mm. I just yeah I'm just like I'm just usually I'm most of the time I find myself just a bit angry and bitter about the whole thing but at the moment I'm just fucking deeply sad Mm, I think that's mm. where I'm at tired like Lottie said it so well like enough is enough like give you a break it like literally I think that's it it just like the 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 endless nature of it because it is irreversible is just fucking exhausting yeah you know it's like I'm so done with feeling like carrying this burden of pain and grief every fucking moment of the day. Like just come back. Like I wish there was, you know, you see like when prisoners sit down and they speak to the person, I just want to, I want to just be able to sit across from Ben, even if there was like a screen in front of each other like separating us. I just want to have a chat just for 30 minutes or just be able to pick up the phone that's like linked to the other side and just fucking oath. I just want a cuddle and I don't even want words. I just want him to look into my eyes and just tell him, like, even if it's a dream and I, I know I dream all the time, but I never remember them when I wake up. So it fucking kills me that I can't just mm-hmm. have that moment where I can remember and hold on to where he's just looking at me saying like, it's going to be okay or something. Like, I just know that that's mm-hmm. what he'd say, but I want to see it. Oh, I'm so it me that I'm actually not even there to give you a cuddle. Hey, team. <laughs> I want to cuddle you both. Lottie, what the fuck? Oh. Mm, like, you guys know are honestly um, incredible. Like I, I'm sitting here on the other side of the phone to you guys going, how is this even real? <laughs> like why are we even having this conversation? Like, and on top of everything, you guys are just giving, 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 giving back to people for like, you don't need to be doing that. Like you don't, you should be focusing on yourself. And when I say giving, like you've just written a fucking book, like who does that in what you're going through? Do you want to like, yeah. What's, what's the guy with that? <laughs> I literally am finding it because I know Lottie so well. I'm literally finding it hard to like interview her as a, as a guest because I'm just like, we're just friends chatting right now. So I'm just, yeah. I feel like I'm so stuck for words today. No, but I think yeah. that's, that's why I love your podcast girls. Cause it is that it is just like <laughs> mates catching up. It's, it's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. Um, Chloe, I would say like in response to that, something that I, that like, gave me this thread of hope it was like this little thread that I held on to was feeling as though I might be able to transmute this horrific experience in a way that then helps others going through similar things and that's kind of been like my north star that's given me that lifeline in a way it's not purely altruistic like it's it also yeah. feeds me and it nourishes me and it gives me a sense of purpose and meaning in the midst of my loss. Um, Interestingly though, I did have a conversation with someone in Mexico recently who was like, you know, sometimes we turn to helping others as a way of either consciously or unconsciously bypassing our own suffering. So it was like, oh fuck, let's just take a minute and actually check in with Mm -hmm. myself, you know? Yeah. I think deflecting and Elle, you've probably done the same. It's like, 
just crack on, keep going, push through. Let's find a way to transmute this. Let's be positive. It's like, yeah. fucking take a moment. Like, I'm not I, okay. <laughs> I get, I think I actually get, like, I know it's so healthy to stop, but I do get scared to stop. Like recently I've mm. just kind of put myself in isolation for two weeks, with COVID and everything. And um, like, I, I think, I think that's why I'm so sad at the moment because I mm. fucking stopped and it was hard to f- realize like my life and what was going on and everything. Like, mm. but obviously it's so healthy and yeah, it's not normal mm. to be so fucking like go, go, go. But that's where um, I yeah, our experiences really differed because I was in lockdown for four months straight after Ben died and I my life literally stood yeah. still and you were like still going, like going out I with the girls, stop. you know, it was just you. Literally like an energizer bunny. I like sometimes I'm like, dude, can you stop? But this then I awesome. think about it like going like that's really rude to say that to her because mm. this is actually what keeps her going. Like you, yeah, some, you couldn't. You can't tell someone. Life. You can't tell someone that's going through what you both are going through just to be like, "Hey, just stop and sit in your house by yourself and watch fucking TV," because it doesn't work like that. Mm. That like, this mm-hmm. is what happens, you know. I've realized the other day, like even just sitting still for me is really hard. Like you know, like sitting still and writing emails even on my computer. Like as you know, Chloe, I fucking can't do it. Like. I, I love cleaning, cooking, running around, doing things like mm. admin life, lifestyle things. But when it comes to like even just fucking sitting still, even if I'm busy on the computer typing, I just physically, my body doesn't do well sitting still. Mm. So weird. Yeah, so probably like worms or something. Have <laughs> <laughs> you wormed yourself lately? <laughs> something is wrong with me. Um no, but Have our you? book. So I think yes. Lottie yeah. was, you were always destined to write a book. You are that, you're a philosopher, mate. You are, you're a wordsmith. You're amazing. <laughs> you were always destined oh. to write a book. You, of course, were never going to write a fucking book on grief and normalizing mm-hmm. grief and talking about death and loss and being a companion for all those around the world that are going through a loss like ours or a loss not like ours or just those supporting people grieving. Mm. I, like we were never supposed to fucking do this, but mm-hmm. here we are. We found each other, and yeah, we Making we wrote a book, sis. Tell me it's who it's for. Like, what's what's the purpose of it? Like, who who's reading this book? How you like? What's the go with it? Making lemonade out of lemons, darling. Out of the tell us, Lottie. Cut lemons that we've been served. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Fuck. But that's it, right? What? But this is the thing people say to me. I, we will actually talk about it, Chloe, in a second. But people <laughs> often say, like, I just, I just can't believe, like, you're, you're so amazing. And I'm like, what fucking choice do I have? Like, nah. it's happened. I can't undo it. Therefore, nah. let's just try and make some lemonade. Like, this is what Maybe. I say to people. They're like, so amazing. I'm like, I, I, I literally mm. don't know what else to do. Like, this is my life. <laughs> I'm trying to own it. I'm trying to yeah. fucking make the best of a really shit situation. But um, yeah. I think, you know, Elle and I have kind of accidentally become advocates for grief literacy through sharing our own story. A lot of people have resonated with um, our words over the last uh, year and a half. And we did a few things on social media. We did a couple of lives and we quickly realized how much of a need there was for these kinds of conversations and for this level of support, um, holistic support that's not like geared towards like clinical mm. academia, you know, that kind of stuff, like just really raw and relatable and human. Um yeah. 
so yeah, we've been beavering away over the last six months, putting this workbook together. It's like an interactive book, right, Elle? Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's semi-autobiographical in that readers yeah. come on the journey with us through our own love stories and our own experiences with grief. But then um, it's a journal of sorts. So people have um, an opportunity to reflect on their mm-hmm. person that's passed, on their relationship, on their um experience of grief on what that you know what their life now looks like post loss and how they can move forwards you know carrying it um yeah I think it's pretty fucking great to be honest the best part about it because I found writing so cathartic after Chump passed and mm. our book like you said is so interactive it we prompt people prompt people we, we've got like writing space and questions so that they have a moment to celebrate their person and write down their feelings and what's going on and like unique questions that people like friends or caregivers to like a grieving person wouldn't wouldn't know to ask you know but we've just been through it so we're like yeah we're prompting these people with certain questions and to delve into certain like I guess nooks and crannies of their grief um and at the moment it is an ebook, but we will be getting it published, which will be awesome. So it's a hard copy for people so to cool. buy. So yeah, I just feel like there's so much ahead with the book. It's it's just like, and it's timeless. Our book is timeless. It's going to be relevant, I guess, forever because people die every day. And mm. it's just the perfect gift. Like if your friend's mum's passed away six years ago, even they are still, they are going to be mm. grieving forever. They are going to mm-hmm. yeah. need, yeah, like this is going to be so cathartic for mm anyone who's suffering a loss no matter how long ago it was or how fresh it was but this is just something that I wish that as soon as Trump passed away I had because we are two widows in the thick of it that have just gone basically the book starts with us just being like fuck so here you are these are yeah. some of the things you might feel or you know what you might not feel any of these things because you're in complete utter shock and that is completely valid and that's normal and just yeah, we just want to be, we want our book to just become that companion that these people can take around with mm. always yeah. with them and just feel held and not feel alone, you know. Mm. That's what I like with you guys just explaining that. It makes me instantly think of like, although it's an absolutely horrific time, it's actually a beautiful way to put your thoughts to paper at that moment and then you know in 10 20 years time you might not remember everything so you can if you want to go back and you want it not that you want to relive yes. it if you want to go back and and remember memories that you're going through it's a beautiful way to do that mm-hmm. trying to not sugarcoat a situation but like yeah, yeah, I, really I, I, yeah. How you've come yeah exactly, exactly. yeah i think like the only way out is through right you've got to you've got to go through it because otherwise it will manifest in different ways it will remain unresolved it won't you know it won't be integrated and it the reality is it's a lifelong process but why not at least start I think Elle and I very quickly realized you know we whilst we can relate to one another and to the countless others going through partner loss or you know navigating other kinds of losses it is ours alone to carry in that Mm -hmm. no one else was Ben's partner no one else was Chumpy's partner you know that relationship was unique to you so you have to find a way to to kind of you know integrate it yourself and 
I really hope that, you know, this will be a valuable resource that will help mm-hmm. people do that. And yeah. yeah. And we encourage people to find their own therapy if it's not writing, but perhaps, you know, something else, exactly. something else to transmute their pain. We'll, yeah, we- we'll, we'll put the um, link in the bio though anyway. So if people want to find it, but hello, Rami, if you Google it, what can people Google it and will it come up? It's nowwhatgrief.com, isn't it? Nowwhatgrief.com. It's called Now What? A Guide to Navigating Life After Loss. Yeah. And like, as you said, Lottie, we literally did just take on our grief head first. We just ran straight at it. And I still, but in saying that, when someone writes to me and says, hey, like I'm 29, I was trying for a partner with my, trying for a, trying for a family with my partner, Um and, you know, this has just happened and now he's gone. And I feel like you and me get that message like 10 times a day. Millions, I'm yeah. still like, oh, fuck, how am I going to even, appro- like I can't even reply. I've got no words. I barely know what to say here. Like although mm. I, although they come to me with like help me, you know, I mm. just there's, there's always just no fucking words. And I feel like. Not, not that I'd ever reply to someone and just be like, hey, buy my book or buy, you know, but <laughs> mm. I feel like I would have just loved this in the, mm. at the very mm. beginning. Mm. Um, like it just makes you, like it just validates every feeling that you're not, well, for me, not feeling. I felt like a robot. I wasn't feeling a thing and it was awful. I, yeah. Mm. Everything is normal in grief, like whatever you're feeling is normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, normalizing um, it. The book as well, just for some like logistics, is yeah, at the moment an ebook in pounds. It's is it nine dollars in pounds, Lottie? Well, it would be nine pounds in pounds. Oh, nine pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's all right, We'll let you off. It's really early over there, isn't baby it? Baby brain. brain. <laughs> yeah, baby brain, baby brain. In um, $9 in pounds, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, $9 in pounds and $18 in Aussie dollars. And well, so, <laughs> so bless bless your heart if you if you sent an email asking this question. If I was to buy something from an Australian e-shop right like Mm. online store um the price would show in australian dollars but then when the payment is made i would be charged in my local currency so that Mm. is literally all it is because people are like why is it impact can i buy it in australia i'm like yeah yeah it's just it's just that basically i like built the website and i'm not really good at shit like that so it's in pounds it will be well, around 17 18 dollars or if you're buying it anywhere else it will yeah. just convert to your local currency basically yeah um, so, you didn't know that she was a website developer as well did you doll i did it's, not babe i'll add it to my so cv <laughs> um, and even me us sitting here and like it's just i love all three of our friendship and it's just like I'm so grateful that we all have each other, but at the same time, it's like it's just in shit circumstances. Yeah, um, I wish it wasn't like 100%. this. Mm, I always well. say to Lottie, I know that if we met, we would have been mates. Or like, and Ben and Chump would literally be they would get along completely. And that's why we also get yeah. along so well with Georgia because she's so mm. like us and Lockie mm. is so like the boys. Like, yeah, it's just, Tweedledum just and Tweedledee. Literally, I just know that the boys would get along like a house on fire. Like, well, oh. do you know what's a really fucking cool thought experiment? Is that like the multiverse is very possible, right? This idea that there's just like infinite 
realities playing out where us three are probably doing a podcast, but Trump and Ben are still here. Like, I just love entertaining the notion that we're still living out that timeline that we thought we were going to live out in this incarnation, you know, in this realm, it's happening somewhere else. Mm. I love that. I mean, that's maybe a... Speaking of all that, I want to, I want you to tell us about um, over New Year's, um, you went to like some retreat with Georgia and I was watching that and that whole video of that sunrise and the music and all the, the, I was like, oh, my God, please teleport me there. I Mm. love that shit. What did you do? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Well, you know, I was supposed to do, it was a real full circle moment, but like a very bittersweet one in that Ben and I were supposed to go on that retreat together in 2017. We met the founder of that like hotel and like event concept when we visited Tulum in 2017 and we were invited on that retreat. We couldn't go because Ben had work commitments he had to get back to the UK for. And then shortly after Ben passed, our friend Eduardo, who who owns um, the Habitat Group, invited me and said, you know, come enjoy it, just rest, receive. And there was no one else I would have taken Unfortunately, Elle, you had commitments back in Australia, which meant Mm. you couldn't come as well than Georgia. So G came as well. And um, we just had this beautiful week with the most incredible people in the most incredible setting. But it was painful for me, you know, because it was one of those moments where it was one of those experiences where Ben should have been there with me before. And he wasn't. But I've always felt very intent on doing it anyway you know like just do it do the things that you'd planned to do together like reclaim those things for yourself and do it in his honor um but it was really beautiful Chloe and I so Ben passed in Mexico but Mexico was a really special place for us we had an amazing holiday there uh, as I said in in 2017 and I wanted to make peace with the land you know I wanted to like go and heal parts of that story and um, be able to connect with it in a more positive way. And that retreat definitely, you know, gave me the opportunity I to do go that. I want to go on it. I want to wow. go on it. We'll do it. We'll do it. I definitely because... want to do it. I'll do it with you one day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys Amazing. should. Yeah. Because Yeah, I'm coming. Because um, Mexico is like your favourite place, right? So you've essentially changed your memories of it mm. in a way or added to them so it's not just all... It's not all trauma. Yeah, and that's it. And, you know, people say to me, I I could never do that. I I just can't, you know, I can't can't go back to, you know, places that I, but like at the end of the day, you're still here and you're deserving of living your life and and feeling joy and finding meaning again, you know, in the midst of your loss. And I've actually found, it's like what you were saying earlier, Elle, facing things head on and like mm-hmm. ripping those plasters off to be mm-hmm. more beneficial than the avoidance strategy. Yeah. You know, because then it builds and it builds and it builds and it's like, it just becomes this impossible thing to like reconcile yeah. with. Chloe, I know that you'll probably have been granted this perspective too, having, you know, suffered losses at a young age, like your, yeah. your grandma and Chump being one of your closest friends. But I think when you, when you do brush up against death at our age, 
it does give you that perspective to like live with that sense of urgency because now we know anything can fucking happen, right? Mm. This was not part of the plan. We were supposed to have 50 years, Mm. you know, with our partners and with our friends. So the fact that anything can change at any point and people die every day, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Not even the next moment is guaranteed. I think it does then like force you to live like with that like sense of immediacy Uh you know I feel like and in no way am I comparison me to you guys but like in what I'm going through with all the infertility stuff like I feel like last year and the year before I was so stuck in this like I only have to do this and everything else didn't matter like this Mm -hmm. is what I have to do and I was just like so tunnel vision in like getting pregnant that Mm. I forgot about everything else. And then I'd go through these notions where I'm like, hang on a second, what the fuck am I doing? Like I actually need to go and do do life as well because like Mm. life is actually short. If for some reason something happened to me tomorrow or something happened to Paul tomorrow Mm. and I've lived the last two years in this stagnant place, Mm. like I would like – it just it just doesn't work like that and I feel like coming into this year I've like got this whole different perspective of it all and I think that like I wouldn't change anything of the last two years because I had to go through that and I think Mm. when you when you've come to realization that you suffer from infertility you 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 think that it's just going to work and sometimes Mm. when it doesn't it's taken me two years to come out the other end and be like you know what fuck it will happen at some point not maybe not Mm. now maybe it's not ready but I actually have to still keep on going and actually doing life as I used to do before all this because like Mm. life is ticking like you said Mm -hmm. like it's gonna keep going whether you're sitting in this same spot Mm-hmm. now you can't mm-hmm. just keep you can't sit there you have to keep going you and you have to keep, keep on experiencing and you have to keep on experimenting and you have to keep on doing yeah. otherwise like what 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 else what else have you got you can't it's almost like you have to compartmentalize like or break mm-hmm. off like okay so this is my life and this is my shit and they have to live alongside they have to coexist exactly. and you have to live your life alongside this bullshit that you also have to do. Yeah. yeah. It's like this is this is the path that is ours to, to yeah. walk down and like nothing, you know, mm. can be done. Obviously there's certain things that we hope can can support mm. us along that journey. But you know, ultimately we all have a responsibility to like, you know, take what is ours to to experience. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a victim to my circumstance like I yes. refuse to let this it's completely destroyed me and yeah. Chloe I know that this journey has been horrific for you Elodie like your loss you know of course it destroys you but what are you going to do with that yeah like mm-hmm. you and know I think there's yeah exactly that can also be a really powerful catalyst for like deep spiritual work and transformation you know mm-hmm. as much as there, there aren't gifts it's fucking shit, yeah. you know, but yeah, there's well, opportunities. Or... I can't wait to meet up and get on some mushrooms and just go and do some <gasps> yes. together. Let's do it. Chump, <laughs> ben, go into the fucking jungle. Like, yeah, baby. I'll get Minnie a babysitter. It's still waiting for, for you after, after <laughs> breast breast You might have to get Minnie a babysitter for a few days, doll. A few days. <laughs> to come down. A few days. Yeah. Oh, well, there's no, no calm down with mushrooms. There's no yeah, calm down exactly. with mushrooms. 
Yeah. Yeah. True. Oh, wow. and giggles. And Thank you guys so much for like just letting this all rip because I know that it's so hard. Like it's so hard. Like even just having these conversations today, we've both gone, we, we, we've all gone through these crazy ups and downs and emotions and like, and I know our listeners will be so grateful that you guys just have put your heart on your sleeves and just like, and that's, that's what I love so much about this podcast. There's like no rules and everyone like, mm. you know, you can say what you want to say and we're all here to support each other. And, you know, like we've said before that this is a really shit situation, how we've all become friends, but mm. I like, thank you both so much from the bottom of my heart. And like, you know, I've learned so much from you guys and I'm so grateful that you guys have got each other and Lottie Elodie's met you because, you know, I can be her, the best friend that any, like I could give her as much as I possibly can give her, but I actually haven't been in her shoes. And like, I'm so grateful to have you that the late nights when she needs someone to have that as like a widow Mm -hmm. sister that, you know, knows, what it's like to be in her shoes and yeah thank you so much you know you guys are both incredible and I'm I'm sick of fucking saying that because it's just like a repeat <laughs> button but you're both amazing and I know that Ben and I know that Chumpy are seriously right there and they would yeah. be so proud of everything that you guys have done you're essentially like living their life for them and you know I thank you both I love you so much I love you so love much you. Chloe thank you and I and I don't I literally would be fucked without you because you keep my life you keep me on like a normal path as well like you what the actual fuck would Minnie and I do without you she wouldn't be here I wouldn't be able to cope like a hundred percent I got my widow sister I got my sister sister who fucking keeps me on (laughs) a normal path Mm. I love you guys so much and that's it we don't have to go through any of that alone right you know Mm -hmm. and I would encourage any of your listeners navigating their own challenges to Mm. to find the people that get it you know whether it's I know Chloe you've connected with other women who are navigating fertility issues Mm. and you know you don't have to go through any of it alone there are people that understand Mm -hmm. what you're going through to some degree or another so reach out, you know, go through those hashtags, look at the support pages. Yes. Like that's what I did. That's how I found people online. You'd be able to type in the most most niche thing, yeah. whether it be a disease or anything that you're going through into, into Instagram, for example, like as a hashtag and pages would fucking pop up. You'd be able to um, find a little niche crew. Exactly. For sure. Mm. Oh, I love you exactly. guys so much. Thanks for holding you. that episode together, Chloe. Welcome to our Asking for a Friend segment. Yes, Asking for a Friend. (laughs) You ask, we tell, right here, right now. So if you have a question, you can head to the link in our bio on Instagram or we'll put it in our show notes. Send us the questions and we will answer them for your ear holes. This week, this one is for you. I've lost both my dad and my sister and struggle to make friends now because I think people just don't grasp onto life as much as I hope. Example, complain about the little things. Mm, Can so relate to that. I think there's so many people that just don't see the bigger picture and they'll tell you about their problems thinking that they're like, yeah, you can't really compare problems because problems are just, I guess, relative to that person. But holy shit, it is so frustrating when you've been through like a massive, like losing your person or losing, yeah, like your sister or your dad. And then you have people complaining about something fucking dumb. Um, I feel you, you just need those friends who do have that scope 
I I love my widow friends because we do get together and we'll talk about, oh, this person said this and it just killed me. Like I, you do just need to make those like-minded friends who have been through shit as well as having your other friends so that they can balance each other out, I would say. Yeah, and um, I think as well with me, like, sorry, just jumping in here, okay. I like in relation to I know I I haven't like lost my person or anything like that extreme, but in my life it's like obviously going through IVF and struggling to conceive for nearly two years. It's really hard to find people on your same wavelength and like, you know, mm-hmm. your friends can be there for you and they can check in all the time but it's it is and like going back to what you're saying it 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 actually really is hard for people to grasp onto how like the the pain and the depth of what Mm. you're going through unless you've actually gone through it and even myself with you l like i you know i have empathy for you i can put myself in your position as as best as i possibly can i can Mm. love you i can kiss you i can hold you i can be there when you need to cry but at the end of the day you can't actually, and this is what I'm learning too, you can't actually expect the person to understand you at like a deep level unless they've experienced that themselves. And that, that there's no problem with mm. that. Yeah, You just have to find your groups or your, you know, your friends that mm. relate to you in that instance, like what you were saying, that you have your widow friends that you can actually talk to all of that stuff about and mm. you guys resonate with each other, you understand each other at that deep level. Whereas myself, like if I need help with that sort of stuff, I can speak to all these communities online that I have on um, Facebook that understand IVF and infertility at that deep depth level that you need those people there for. Yeah, it's so true. Like when you go through something fucked, everything kind of changes in your perspective and everything you think just changes and you you just naturally and like accidentally expect more or expect better from your friends when like, yeah, it's, it is a really awkward one. But just in general, how do you like this is something that I we actually get asked this a lot just shifting it, shifting the question a little bit. How do you make friends as an adult? Like I think you've got to join, you know, like sport or pottery or painting or like get into a hobby. Find or, a common interest. Do you know what I really think is a good idea? Get a dog or get a pet because I make heaps of friends down the dog park. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk to you when you have a dog. Get a super um, cute little puppy. Yeah. They're, they're people magnets, dogs. Um, or, yeah, just you need to find someone that has a common interest. So, yeah, if if it's if it's that you need another person grieving or that understands that level of pain, definitely get on the pages on Instagram and Facebook to find other people going through it that are near you so you can meet up and you can chat about it because unfortunately mm-hmm. this yeah every third person has you know lost a parent or is going through something super so like a, a very hard loss that they're going through mm-hmm. you can navigate those together hopefully mm-hmm. well hope that answers your question and we will speak to you next week yay Bye, guys. Thank you.